good to be with you and to just share a little bit of what um, a little bit of what I've been seeing this week and also just what I've been um, studying and looking at over the last few weeks. This this passage. Man, I, I've struggled with it, not, not, be, not as much because it's a hard passage, but because there's just so much. I think I could, I could do 10 sermons on just this one passage. There's just so much goodness. So it's trying to cram it into 50 minutes and, or, or less um, and trying to do that this morning and just share with you um, what, what is God saying to us this morning through this. So I'm going to take a step back um, first and... Um, to something that Jerem talked about a little bit earlier. So tw- 28 years ago, um, so we're going to put a picture up. 28 years ago, we're, I think we're going to put a picture up. 28 years ago, um, I had the privilege of being on, on this platform, doing some music at a conference um, for, that was about revival. And uh, it, was, it was a real privilege to do that. Um, this, is, this is Asbury University. Um, across the street is Asbury Seminary. It's the seminary that my dad um, attended. Um, in 1970, there was a revival that happened there and a worship service that lasted for 144 hours. It made national news. There's archive footage of like um, famous news anchors reporting on this in the States. On February 8th, a service started. It's still going right now. It's over 225 hours later. And God is moving there. You can Google it. Um, if you go on Twitter, you can hashtag Asbury Revival, and it's like all over it. And it's people responding to Jesus. It started as an, a, a, just a, a, a typical chapel service. They have chapel three days a week. Started as a ch- typical chapel service. And um, after someone shared the message, um, Confession began to take place, and repentance began to take place. And it hasn't stopped since the 8th of Feb. Today is what? The 19th of Feb. There's, there's a line more than a kilometer long of people going in. If you also go to that, that hashtag, you also find that it's spread to other universities where people are experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's marked by repentance. They're responding to what God is calling and what God is doing in their life. It's an incredible, it's, it's, just, a, it's just an absolutely incredible thing. My dad actually went a few days ago. Um, he, he, um, they went back to the States. They were here. They went back to the States on the 10th and like, um, before they went home, because they went to uh, my sister's, before they went home, he went to, um, to visit that. And, and it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And so that's one thing that I'm celebrating today. I'm celebrating that there are, there are so many people that are experiencing God right at this moment. 
not just there, but because of what God started there. And that's just something I'm celebrating. So I had to share it with you this morning. I'm glad that Jerem did as well. It's just an incredible thing to see God move and transform hearts and minds. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm just going to pray again. I, I need it for myself as I, as I begin to, to um, speak, but also I just want to just ask God to move this morning in us. God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, first and foremost, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight this morning. Lord, may you speak this morning. Lord, may we hear you, not Matt Swank, but Lord, may we hear you this morning. And Lord, may we be transformed because of our time with you. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, this passage, I'm going to start with some background. So what we've seen um, in the previous passage, um, we saw the Holy Spirit move and people were hearing the proclamation of, of who Jesus was and, and the greatness of God in their own language. It was a powerful thing. If you haven't read it, I encourage you, maybe not this moment, but later on to go back and read from the beginning of Acts chapter 2. But it starts way before that. And it's kind of, it's kind of a picture of what God does. And, and that's what I want to unpack a little bit this morning. But I want to go back to Luke chapter 4. Okay, so I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 4. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, this is who we're, we're looking at. Jesus went and he was baptized. All right, so after he's baptized, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus, so even Jesus in his, in his humanity, so there's this thing where Jesus, is, he's fully man, but he's fully God. On some level, Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to be at work in his life. Though he's fully God and fully man, in his humanity, he allowed and surrendered to the will and the leading, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We know this, that, that even in this wilderness, we don't know exactly all that took place. He was there for 40 days, and we only have like a few verses on it. So we don't know everything that took place. But the result in verse 14 was that Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there was something that, that changed in the, in the humanity of Jesus where he went from the, the uh, um, fullness of the Holy Spirit to the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The word there is literally the word that we use for dynamite. Okay? So it's the power. It's not his power anymore, but he's moving forward as an example to us in the power of the Spirit. And what does he do? He begins his ministry. And so he begins, in that ministry, he begins calling his first disciples. So then I want to take you to the end of his ministry real quick, and we get to John 17. And uh, I'm going to read it from the, uh, this one from the NIV. 
And so after, when Jesus is now, he's, he's, he's started his ministry it, being led by the Holy Spirit, it says in John 17, he's praying, he's talking to the Father about what he's done, and he says, I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You had already been calling them. You had already been doing stuff in their life but you gave them to me. And what I've done with that responsibility is I have revealed you to them. That's what I've done. That's what you sent me to do. And that's what I've done. I have revealed you to them. Now skip ahead. And we're going to see some pattern as we, as we look at this. We get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I can find verse 8. Here we go. Verse 8. And it says, and so this is after Jesus has died. He's revealed. He's, he's, he's taken them on the journey. He's, he's invested in them. And he says in verse um, uh, 1, verse 8, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So notice when Jesus, when the Spirit comes on Jesus, at the baptism, if you were to go back and read, you'd see that the Spirit descends on Jesus. When, the, when Jesus walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens out of that is the natural thing is to reveal the Father to those around him. And then, as they respond, and as they position themselves to receive, they receive the Holy Spirit. And what do they do when the Holy Spirit comes on them? We get Acts chapter 2, and they reveal the Father. So what's happening here is actually just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a natural progression, a natural pattern. Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, even though he's fully God, we're not, we're not taking anything away from that. But Jesus proclaims, he, le he reveals the Father to his disciples, the disciples respond, and they receive the Holy Spirit they start proclaiming, revealing the Father. And so that's what we have in Acts chapter 14 is He's actually, Peter stands up and he's actually revealing what's going on, but also he kind of takes the attention almost away from that for a moment. He, he says, okay, guys, first, let's start here. What you just saw, don't be frightened by this. This is, this, this is not alcohol, right? This is the Holy Spirit. But, but don't even be surprised by that because it was promised in Joel, Right? So this was promised to happen. So this is, it's almost like he's normalizing it in a sense to say that this is what God promised and this is what's happening. Okay, so this is what's happening. But let me tell you a little bit more about why it's happening. And so then he begins to unpack and he tells who this Jesus is. And he begins to reveal, um, reveal the Father and the Son. He reveals that Jesus, this Jesus, was, in the ESV it says, attested to by God through miracles. So God, God 
demonstrated that Jesus had authority and had power by doing the miracles in his life. It was the Father who was at work. It was the power of the Spirit working through him. And that, um, that he did these miracles, that he was, it was also part of his God's plan that this Jesus who had done these miracles had come to them, that he would be delivered up, that that was all part of God's plan, that he would be ultimately crucified. Then he was crucified. Then God raised him up. Why? Because death could not hold him. And so God raised him up from the grave. And then he was, it also says that he was given the Holy Spirit and he was made Christ and Lord. So it's not that he, was, he became something different, but he was granted the titles of Christ and Lord because of who he was. And so Christ, being that he was the anointed one, he was the one that was, that was the, the mediator, if you will, priest between us and the Father, the one that makes it possible for us to have relationship with the Creator. But he's also Lord and that he is God and that he has authority over all things. And so Peter is describing, and this is, the, this is like the cliff notes. I don't know if you know what cliff notes are. This is like the cliff notes version of the sermon. But he's, he's revealing this, this bit about who Jesus is, that, that he, he definitely was who he said he was. God demonstrated that through miracles, that, he, he, um, that God had this plan to deliver him up, that he would die for our sins, that God did raise him up. And that death couldn't hold him because of who he was. And that now he is offering the Spirit to us as Christ and Lord. And as he says this, and as he preaches this, he, he, point, he, he drives home that idea that it was their sin that ultimately had crucified him. It was them, it was what they had done. They had participated in the crucifixion, and, and now as they begin to understand it, the crucifixion of God. That they, in essence, put God as in humanity, put him on the cross. And so they're cut to the heart. And they begin to confess. And they say, what shall we do? And then they're given the response to confess, to repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So out of this, here's what I want to draw out, okay? Here's what I want to point out. First off, God is the one who initiates relationship with us. God, it's through His Spirit that He draws us to him in the first place. So there's a starting point that God begins by drawing us. In this passage, you can see that. We'll unpack that a little bit later. But he is drawing these people of Israel. Then we know that he reveals through the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's doing through Peter. In this passage, through Peter, he is revealing the Father to these people. That's what he does. He calls and then he reveals. 
And then he convicts. In verse 37, we see, now that they heard this, they were cut to the heart. In another passage, it talks about that's what the Holy Spirit does, that he convicts of sin. And so this, this is what happens after he reveals, he convicts. And the response to that then is once we do our part, and we'll get to our part in a minute, he forgives. He saves and then he empowers. This is what God does. This is what he does over and over and over again and, and offers this to us he, to draw us in, to reveal himself to us, convict us, then forgive us, save us, and empower us. So here's our part. First is to hear in verse 33, in verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you are, yourselves are seeing and hearing. So the first one is to pay attention, to see, and to hear what God's doing. The next one is, is as that conviction begins to take place, verse 38, our response is to repent. That the response to seeing God and what he's doing, who he is, the response to that, based on the conviction that we experience, is to repent. Verse 37 and 38 then says, Now then, they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. In verse 21, it says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's this thing of repentance and then calling out on the name of the Lord that brings salvation. It's experiencing his forgiveness. Then as verse 38 says, receiving the Holy Spirit. That after repentance comes receiving the Holy Spirit. It says, and you will receive the gift of Holy, the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls on himself. After receiving the Holy Spirit, the next thing that happens, proclamation. See, that's what we see in Jesus the Spirit at work in his life produced proclamation. The Spirit at work in the disciples' life produced proclamation. These people then, because after this, many people come to, to know Jesus. And after that, and throughout the rest of, of Acts, we begin to see what? Proclamation. The gospel spreads incredibly out of this because of people received the Holy Spirit. So there's multiple people in this passage. 
And I just want to unpack a little bit real briefly about them. The first one, obviously, is, well, Peter and the disciples. We'll get to them in the moment. But the first person that's quoted is Joel. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. What did he do? He proclaimed the message of God. He revealed what the Father would be doing. There's only one way he could have done that. The only way that he could have done that is if God had revealed himself to him, drew him in. He himself, Joel, had lived a life of repentance, responding to the Father, called on the name of the Lord, received the empowerment of the Spirit, and then proclaimed. It's the only way it could have happened. Because it's, it's after those things that happen that the Holy Spirit comes and that we're able to proclaim, speak the words of God. David, same thing. David speaks in the Psalms and the passages that are quoted. David speaks the word of God. How does he speak the word of God? How does he speak on behalf of God? Only because God drew him, revealed himself to him. He was convicted. He repented. The Holy Spirit empowered him, and he spoke and revealed the Father. Then we get to this day, and we've got Peter and the disciples. And what do we know about the disciples? They're proclaiming, and the Holy Spirit's at work at them. How, do we, how does that happen? Well, we know what must have happened. The Father drew them. They were invited. They they responded to that invitation as, the, as, as Jesus revealed himself and revealed the Father to them. They responded. And they responded in repentance and turning towards God, which is what repentance is all about. Repentance is actually turning myself from, from the way that I live and facing God and saying, I am now facing God and I'm walking in the path that he has. So that's what the disciples have done. They, responding to the drawing of the Father, the drawing of Jesus, the drawing of the Holy Spirit. They've responded. They've turned, followed him, lived a lifestyle of repentance. As a result, the Holy Spirit has come on them, and now they proclaim. The people of Israel that they're talking to, we see in Acts chapter 2 what's happening. The Holy Spirit, I would say, brought them there that day. This was a special day, and I believe that God brought the people he wanted to be there on that day for that specific time, for that specific message, and for that specific miracle. So he drew them. Not only then did he draw them, but he, through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter, he revealed himself to them. And what happened? They were convicted. And as they were convicted, what did they do? They repented. And what happened because they repented? The promise of the Holy Spirit came. And as we will read going forward, what did they do? They proclaimed the gospel. Asbury. Clearly at Asbury... God was drawing a specific group of people together. Now, several of them had to show up because it was chapel and you have to go to chapel. 
But God brought specific people there. He was drawing them. And they saw him. He revealed himself to them. And they were convicted. And out of that conviction, they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they repented. And not only that, but proclamation has happened. There are millions of people who are aware of what's happened, of the work of God in a small town called Wilmore, Kentucky. Millions of people aware because some people were drawn together. The Father was revealed to them. They responded with repentance. The Holy Spirit filled them. And now it's spreading. If you are here today, which you are, just for clarity, if you are here today, you are only here. You are only here because the Father has drawn you. There is no other reason that you are here. Even if you're resistant to being here or the idea of being here, you are only here because the Father is drawing you here. It's up to you to see and to pay attention to who Jesus is. We've talked a little bit about him today. And to be aware that just as those people in Israel, those people that, that Peter was speaking to, just as they became aware of the fact that their sin was responsible and their actions were responsible for putting Jesus on the cross, the same is true for me. I am responsible that God, even he died for those who had, who had gone before, he died for those who were living at the time, and he died seeing ahead my life and your life. And he died for your sin. As I was working on this, this was the, the message that kind of came to me is, is from um, the song, How Deep the Father's Love. It's a, it's a, it's a modern hymn, and um, it's this particular verse where it starts with, Behold the man. And it says, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin, Matt Swank's sin, Upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished.
God is calling us, calling me to repentance. We, we, we don't willfully become an empowered church. That, that, that's, that's not something we do. All we can do is be drawn, see what the Father is revealing to us, respond to the conviction that we need repentance, confess, call out to his name, and allow him to fill us with his spirit. And to be honest, the, the miracles and all of that are amazing. But the real key is repentance and reconciliation to God. That's what we're called to. And so this morning, what's, what's God speaking to you? What is he revealing to you this morning? It might not even be anything related to what I've said, but what is God revealing? And how is he asking you to respond in this moment to what he's saying to you? Let's pray. God, I just thank you that you do work. And Lord, it's, it's, in some ways it's fairly simple. You call, you reveal, and it's up to us to respond. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit comes. So Lord, I just pray for, I pray for me. Lord, just continue to break my heart. Lord, convict me. Lord, move in me today. Lord, I invite you to move in us today. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.